I do look forward to walking home Sunday on June 7th. I will tell you that one of the great challenges of what we have faced, right, as a as a church family, as a community, as a as a city, nation, and the world in the midst of this this pandemic, is that that lack of connection. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm thankful for Facebook and Zoom and Microsoft Teams, Skype, whatever you've used to connect with the loved ones and the people around you and teams and coworkers. Got to be honest with you, I am so sick of Zoom, it's not even funny. There's, there's something to be said about having this, this, this face-to-face connected engagement. And the reason for that is because you were designed as a relational being. God's word says this, it's not good that man live alone. And, and we, we, weren't, we weren't designed to live an isolated existence. In fact, in the early days, in the early days of America, as the, as the West was being settled, people were given 40 acres of land free if they would just go out and, and stake their claim. And you can imagine what would happen. People, you know, they, they got in their stagecoaches and they went out west and they were super excited about it. And they would go pretty much right smack dab to the, to the middle of their claim. That way they could, all that, all that they could see, all that around them, this all belonged to me, was their disposition. They'd build a house right in the middle of their land and, and they, would, they would set up family. But what they discovered, actually rather quickly, is uh, life wasn't all that good. And th- there's really no easy way to put it. Their children started becoming very weird. And so the result of that is, if, if you go across middle America, you'll find there's all these towns that are named Johnson's Corners or Gerke's Corners or, or Smithson Corners. Because what happened is, People moved from the center of their 40 acres of land. They moved to the center of their claim, to the corners of their claim, because they realized very quickly, we don't do life well alone. We're designed to do life together. We, we see this in, in the series that we're in, Different, that, that Jesus said, look, life is meant to be different. But in that, if you look at, at this, this portion of scripture that we've spent time with, the Beatitudes. Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. The first four of the blessed are they's deal with our relationship with God, that vertical relationship that we have. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that realize that without a genuine connection with a savior, they are hopelessly lost. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are those who authentically come to God and acknowledge that need. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who come to also to the understanding that even though that they have free will, even though they can determine their own destiny, that they are best served by taking this freedom, this power that God has given us and saying, God, I give my life to you. I give my energy to you. I give all that I am, all that I have, and all that I hope to be to you. 
Blessed are those who set their passions towards the things of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. The first four of those blessed are they that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount had to do with that vertical relationship, the relationship between us and God. But then what he does is he shifts to the horizontal relationship, the relationship that we have with one another. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are those who operate with purity of heart, right? Rather than, rather than those who operate with uh, an agenda. And then we get to today, blessed are the peacemakers. I love what it says about blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's a pretty good title, isn't it? Children of God, sons of God. And that's what it tells us here in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. So I've got a question for you this morning, right out of the gate. When, when you come into a room, does it cause people to go, or does it cause people to go, oh. Are you, are you someone who brings calm to the calamity? Or would your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, would they describe you as a grenade with a pin pulled? We all have those people in our life, right? <laughs> you, you, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how it's going to go. And, and, and they might not always bring chaos, but the fact that they bring chaos enough of the time, you're, you're pensive even when you know that you're going to have interaction with them. Well, let's see, let's see where Bill's at today. Let's, let's hope, let's pray that Bill's in a good mood because if he's not, whew, he's like his own personal tornado. And what God's called us to be, he's called us to be peacemakers. You know, this, this idea of, of peace. Today is, today is the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. And we, we honor those who have given their life in, in defense of our country, that we might, that we might have freedom. And, and it's, not just, it's not just freedom that people fought for. It's not just freedom that they, that they died for. Each one of those soldiers, they, they went wanting their country not simply to have freedom, but they wanted there to be an end to the war. They they pushed for peace. And yet, this is fascinating to me, that in the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of them. So in the last 3,400 years, we've had peace on the planet roughly 8% of the time. In fact, there have only been 26 days of peace since, since the end of World War II, since VJ Day, 200, or not, not 200, 26 days of peace. We, we live in this world of, of conflict. We live in this world of challenge. We live in this world of difficulty. And, and yet, I, I, want you to, I want you to do this. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me real quickly to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And what I want to do is this. I want to, I want to reference the end, close to the end of Psalm 37, and then I want to go back to the beginning. So here's what it says in Psalm 37, verse 37. 
Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. I love that idea. A future awaits those who seek peace. So what does that do for us? How does it allow us to, to position ourselves in life, in activity, in, in relationship, even in issues of conflict? Look what it says at the beginning of Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Back. Do this instead. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He, he will cause your righteousness to, to, to be a reward that shines like a, the, the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their, in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. God's given us this gift of peace. Jesus said, peace I give you. And not peace as the world gives, which the world's definition of peace is an absence of, from conflict. And an absence from conflict, it really is. It's like living with that grenade in your hand with a pin pulled. There not be, might not be violence in the moment, but it can start at any time. Friend, that's not peace. At best, that's detente. But what what Jesus offers us is this, this state of being that allows us, in spite of the momentary circumstances, to live our lives like this. Peace. Peace I give you. But what, but what we're challenged to do, the directive that we have in Matthew chapter 5, is not simply to live at peace. It's not simply to take the disposition as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. While that is a scriptural principle, that's not the point that Jesus is making in Matthew chapter five. Here's what he says. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. What does it, what does it mean to make peace? Now, we, we have those people in our lives that when they, when they step into a room, it creates tension. It seems like chaos follows them wherever they go. They are curators of chaos. In fact, I would take it a step further this morning. I would ask you this question. Do you find that when you step into a room that it brings calm? Or is there... Is there calamity consistently in your walk? Well, pastor, it's not me. It's the people around me. You know, at some point, if you find this, if you find there's chaos and calamity and tension in your workplace, with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? There's a decent chance it's you. Right? It's a decent chance it's you. I have a friend who tells a story that they, their son was getting into trouble at school. And the teacher shows up at their door, says, uh, 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 folks, I, I need to talk to you about your son, Billy. And he said, he said, I looked at the teacher and I said, you know what? Billy's a, Billy's a good kid. He's just, he's just got some bad influences. And the teacher looks at him and says, no, 
listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but your son is not a good kid with bad influences. He's a bad kid, okay? Your son is the ringleader of all the trouble. And, and if, there's, if there's chaos everywhere you go, okay, if you find you can't go into Publix without being irritated and irritating the people around you, there's a, th- th- that should be an evidence of something, right? I don't understand why people are upset with me all the time. You know what? God brought you here to help you this morning, friend. <laughs> he brought you here to set you free. See, we're called to be peacemakers, and, and not just, not just to, to not create conflict. But we also, we have those people in our life that the moment they step into the scenario, it just causes us to settle. I remember when I was a, when I was a little kid, my um, my, my parents would go out at night. This is after my father passed away and my mother had, had, had remarried. And, and even, even in the moments when, when maybe my mother and my stepfather were separated, because they were separated a lot, because they had just a lot of conflict in their marriage. But, uh, but my mom, would, she would go out sometimes in the evening. And uh, at, at this point, the rest of the, the, my siblings were scattered. So it was just, it was me and my, my younger sister, Tammy. And I'm 10, 11 years old at the time, maybe 12 years old. And, and my mom would go out for a while in the evening and, and, and leave us at home. And, and you can do with that what you will, but it was the reality of, of, of our, our upbringing. And, and she would not be home before it was time for us to go to bed, right? We had like an 8.30 bedtime, which is ridiculous, but that's, anyway. I, I would, I would be, pretty much panicked a lot of the time when we had to go to bed and turn off the lights and be there in the dark until, until I heard my mom's car pull into the driveway. Now let's be honest, my mom, if somebody, if there was somebody out there that legitimately wanted to hurt me in that moment, there wasn't a whole lot my mom could do about it, right? I mean, in, 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 in reality. And yet her presence in that moment, just caused everything within me to go, it's okay. Some of you know that when, 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 when dad walks into the room, when, when, a, when a husband or a wife comes home. It's just, it's, it's they, they bring peace with them. The The idea that it's not just about me living with an absence of conflict, but it's about being an ambassador, being a promoter, being someone who brings to every occasion peace. I've had the I've had the incredible joy of serving this church for six and a half years. And I'm, I'm, I can't, it, it'd be very difficult for me to put into words how much I appreciate uh, the people that I ha- have had and, and have the opportunity to serve alongside. But I, 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 I wanna pause and say this. 
Eddie, I don't know of anyone in my life who is more a peacemaker than you. You just, you have a way to come into a room and when Eddie is in the room, there's peace. And he, he, can, he can step into a situation that is filled with, with anxiety and filled with calamity. And he has the voice of E.F. Hutton. When Eddie speaks, um, people listen. It's, it's part of the reason why as, as God began to make clear that, that I was supposed to transition into this missions role, stepping into a full-time capacity, helping Convoy of Hope with what they're doing in, in feeding today 300,000 children, in, in addition to delivering uh, over 17 million meals now in America in response to COVID-19, and that number just continues to skyrocket. And knowing that the goal isn't to feed 300,000 children a day, it's the, the goal is to feed a million children a day. I, I, was, I, I was able to have peace in knowing God's direction in this because we have an amazing pastoral team here. These people are phenomenal and anointed. Uh, I'll tell you this, we seriously, we have the best children's pastor on the planet. Pastor Danny's amazing. And, and then our, our volunteer leadership team, uh, our elders, these are remarkable individuals who, who have the heart of God. Um, and I, I will say this, it's even evidenced by, as we're navigating this, this transition process and, and seeking God on, on how he wants uh, the baton to be passed from me as lead pastor to another pastor. I, I, I wish there was a way that I, could, that I could have all of you be in the room and experience what God's doing here. Because there's no anxiety there's zero competition. There's just this, God's in this and God has us. It's really an exciting day. On, on, there, there's a part of me that I've said, hey God, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna stick around long-term and see how it goes. And he says, well, yeah, I do have something you have to do. So, um, but that, that's able to happen, th this type of, of disposition is able to take place when we determine that what we're gonna do is this, is that we're gonna be peacemakers. And here's the key, right? We're called to be peacemakers following the model of Jesus who was a peacemaker. What does a peacemaker do? A peacemaker reconciles two adversaries. That's what a peacemaker does. And see, that's what, that's what Jesus has done for us, right? Here's what it says. Colossians 1 says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Romans 5 puts it this way. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So Jesus is this, is this consummate example of peacemaker. He reconciles those who were disconnected, those who were alienated from one another. And so this directive that that. Jesus gives us in Matthew 5 to be a peacemaker is not simply that we live our lives with an absence of conflict. 
It's that we're active, engage, that we're active agents engaged in reconciling those who are disconnected relationally. And of course, the key and the primary responsibility that we have being salt and light, right? Because just a few verses later, he talks about you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. The, 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 the first and the most important relationship is that vertical relationship that somebody has between them and God. And we have a responsibility to be a peacemaker. We have a responsibility to help those who are disconnected and alienated from God to step into reconciliation and right relationship with him. See, our, our testimony is so very important and our life is so very important, not simply to where we can live an anxiety-free, a stress-free, a calamity-free life, but that our disposition of peace has a ripple effect to those around us. So how do we do that? I, I, I find that I regularly go to to this, this text in Philippians chapter four, when it says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And, and the peace of God. So what, what triggers that and? What, what makes that happen? What brings me to the place where the peace of God that transcends all understanding guards, guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus? Well, the good news is this, we don't have to wonder because God, through his Holy Spirit, gave the words to Paul to write there in that, in that Roman prison. And he gives us this statement. And I love the fact that Paul's facing likely execution. And yet he writes about this unmistakable somewhat undefinable, but absolutely undeniable peace. So how do I get there? Let's break it down real quick. Let's look at God's peace plan. It starts with rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It starts with rejoicing in God's promises. See, I, I, can, be, I can be joyful in all circumstances because I'm confident in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. God, you, you love me, you care for me, you keep me, you provide for me, and you've demonstrated it over and over again. Oh, I know in this world I will have trouble. I'm a, I get that, you know, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I'm, I'm gonna face issues, I'm gonna face challenges. But I also know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So regardless of the circumstances, I, I, can, I can rejoice in the Lord. And what that does is this, it settles me. Look what it says in Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord Always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your, let your gentleness be evident to all. Well, 
Pastor gentleness, that's just not the way I'm wired. That's just not my disposition. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, ma'am. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, sir. That gentleness is inside of you. It might be dormant, but it's inside of you. Because that gentleness is a reflection, it's a characteristic of the God who lives in you and the Holy Spirit that empowers you. And yes, it might be, it might be clouded by the calamity and the fact that you are, on some level, a curator of chaos. But God brought you here today to tell you that it's time for you to stop blaming the personality, your personality for your lack of gentleness. And to say, I want you to recognize the importance, the significance of meekness, power under control. We have, uh, we've got a great security team here at Calvary. And uh, our security team, for the most part, they are, they are giants. Um, I, I'm telling you what, I don't worry about stuff going down on this campus because uh, most of our security guys, they could just crush most people into a fine powder and, uh, and they don't come any bigger than George Green. But I don't know if you've ever seen this here at Calvary when we've had somebody who has maybe been, uh, let's just say, uh, a, just a bit unruly. George has a wonderful way to just walking up and just kind of taking them by the arm and going, hey, come on, come with me. <laughs> and he'll walk them to the edge of the campus and then he'll explain to them the parameters by which they can come back onto the campus. In the time that I've been the pastor here, I've yet to see anyone that George has had to walk to the edge of the campus that has come back. And yet he doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't threaten him. He just has that way. Uh, and if any of you, if George ever walks you to the edge of the campus, well, you'll, you'll understand he doesn't, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to prove his strength. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You know what gentleness, what gentleness demonstrates? It demonstrates this. It demonstrates that I don't have anxiety. If you ever find yourself, somebody wanting to fight you and they're nervous, eh, that could go either way. You find somebody that wants to fight you and they're calm, you're in trouble right? They're like, this is no big deal. And so we don't have to be anxious over the battles that we have in our life because you are more than a conqueror. And so we don't live our lives with anxiety. We don't live our lives with stress. We don't create chaos. We let our gentleness be evident to all. It's good. I will tell you, I live my life, I regularly say this, I'm a lover, not a fighter. In fact, I'll tell you what, when, when a situation is, is going from calm to chaos, if, if I don't sense that I can bring it to calm, I'll say this, God bless you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step away because I refuse to live life in calamity. Life is too, sh too short to live life amped up. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Some of us think we're called to win every battle. Some of us think we're called to be successful in every argument. And, and God says this, I just, 
Be calm. Remain calm. And we can do that because of what it says here in Philippians chapter 4. Look at this. It tells us in in, in the second part of of Philippians chapter 4, it says this. The Lord is near. So I can... I can rejoice in God and remain calm because of this understanding and this this reminder that God's there. Now, there's a couple of things that come with God's promises. Number one, in God's presence. Number one is this, is that I know that I'm going to be okay. Number two, There are, there are people in my life, judge me if you will, there are people in my life that I'm going to act differently if they're around. Okay? I may, nothing immoral, but I may make a comment to Bob and, 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 and communicate it in a certain way if it's just Bob and I. If Jody and Nancy are with us, that conversation's gonna go a little different. Every man, and quite honestly, every woman knows what I'm talking about. That there, there, there are people that their, their presence makes a difference. Have you ever, have you ever ran into somebody and you were, and you were dressed very casual? And you were like, oh my, I, I had no idea I was going to run into this person at the store. And this is not the way, this is not the way that I wanted to present myself. Had I known that I would be seeing this person today, uh, this would go, this would have gone very differently, right? Um, And and so, because we care about how this individual perceives us. See, I, I, I find this, that not only this understanding that God is there, that God is always there, it brings me a sense of calm. It also, it wants me to live my life in such a way that I don't, that I just, that I don't disappoint or embarrass my Savior. It's the reason why, and, 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 and you've heard me say this before, that, that I have a, there's a, there's a part of my, there's a part of my, my daily prayer time that is, um, each, mo- each morning, my prayer time is, it's, 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 it's very unique because each day brings new opportunities and new challenges. But the formula by which I do my, my daily prayer time, and I've done this for 35 years, it, it, it remains the same. And, 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 and I, I, pray, I pray three things that have to do with who I am as a pastor. And I pray uh, two things that have to do with my family. So, and here, here's, here's, my, here's my prayer. I pray this every morning. I pray this every evening. And, and again, I've, I've done this for, without fail for, for right at 35 years. And, and I pray this, God, I pray today that my motivation will be pure. I pray, God, that my methods will be professional. And I pray, God, that my message will be prophetic. I want to do it for the right reason and I want to do it in such a way that it honors God and I don't, want, I don't want it to be my agenda. I want it to be what God wants to happen as I, as I serve as a, as, as, a, as a kingdom servant. And then, by the way, my, my two family things is this. God, 
Help me today to make Jody feel like a queen. And God, let me lead my family in such a way today that my home is filled with love and laughter. And then I, I, I pray that every day. That, that, but the idea, you know, God, let my methods be professional. Let my message be prophetic. God, I wanna, I wanna represent you well, knowing that you see everything that I do. So, so one of the ways that I function as a peacemaker or that we function as peacemakers is this understanding that God's with us, guiding us, and he's with us, gauging us. So in that moment where the food server totally messes up your order, imagine that, that Jesus is sitting in that booth with you. And in that moment, are you gonna step into tension and create crisis? Or are you gonna overtly diffuse the situation and be a peacemaker? Because God's presence is there, giving you everything you need and also providing, providing that accountability. Paul goes on to write this, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Yeah, I understand that the repairman promised that this thing would be fixed in 20 minutes. And it's eight days later and it's still not repaired. That's included in anything. Don't be anxious about anything. God's timing is best. And God does, his word is true when it says he works all things together for our good. So when, when, when things aren't going according to my schedule, when things aren't going according to my plan, realize God's timing is the best. So don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, so when I kind of get blown off course a little bit, when things aren't going the way that I want them to go, when, 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 it's, when my plan's not being uh, executed to perfection, and I don't know if you have this, but I, ha I have plans for my life. I have plans for my days. And, uh, and I know exactly how things are supposed to go. And what I've discovered this after 54 years of, of circling, um, circling the sun, here's what I've, I've discovered. I've discovered that the best laid plans of mice and men, right? It, it, it seems like one thing I can be confident of is my plan is never executed to perfection. But I trust God. And so in those, in those times when I'm kind of blown off course, what I've got to do is I've got to return to a position of faith, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I like that idea of presenting my request to God. I have to release my concerns to him. Give it to him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then we get to verse seven. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.